Morning today's daf is that is daf Tezayim. We're going to go from the bottom of Tezvav on page 15b. And the Gemara we were we were discussing once we were discussing can you join two types of verification? Either special dispensation that Fakana de Chafani made for a get, either that the, that the agent delivering the get can say Bufanetam or Bufanetam, and that is good enough to verify it. Or there's another verification, the standard verification of Staris, which is to use two agents to verify the signatures. Can you mix those two together? We went on a little bit of a detail to discuss other questions regarding um, mixtures and uh, combining two things. And that we were in the question of Ilfa. Ilfa asked, can you purify your hands in, in heart? And then we try to work out what does he mean by in. If he means... Um, that two people use the same water, so they have a reverse port on their hands together. Like you have the vasing cup and two put their hands there and you pour the reverse in them. That's definitely okay from a Mishnah, so that wouldn't have been Ilfa's question. So then we said maybe it means um, to do your one hand and then your other hand. Well, there's a Mishnah that says you can even do the till on one hand and dip the other hand in, a, in a, what would be the equivalent of a kosher mikvah. That's also fine. So clearly you can do your hands independently of each other. So we're trying to work out what is Ilfa's question. Just before we go further into Ilfa's question, just an interesting thing to think about. We, so we said um, um, the, the language used by Ilfa was, Boy Ilfa, you're dying to Horus or ain't to Are they purified through half? Or are they not purified? So that's what I think what the Tilasidam is referring to. We have two types of the Tilasidam. We have for before bread, and we have when we wake up in the morning. And they, they're different, and their purposes are different. The reason behind bread is that it's a, almost a process of Zairus, but very simply, it's a Srach Truma. Back in the day when they used to eat truma, especially the Pahanim, they had to be careful, so Chazal inst that their hands were tome, that they were Torah, so that's Chazal instituted that day, do not tell your time before they eat truma. So we also, as a reminder of that, do that. Interesting, I saw the Beis Halevi says, there's lots of people say, like, what, this is ridiculously far-fetched, what's the point? You know, like, I'm not a Kohen, I'm never going to eat truma. Never mind, that hasn't been a base of English for 2,000 years. Like, hands, uh, tum on your hands is only midrabona. Like, it, it seems very, very far-fetched. Basilevi looked at it the other side. He says he finds it incredibly optimistic and uh, encouraging and hopeful. He says we take this action that we do, confident that it's necessary for us to be sensitive and aware of truma. And the days when we'll be eating truma, Kohanim will be eating truma in Tahara and stuff. So that's it. So he said it's an incredibly um, positive outlook on life, just that we do not let you die in for our meals. Yeah. Um, just interesting, just for Shachris. So I, I would have said for Tahara, that's more to do with Tahara. Shachris, we have three reasons why we do not let you die in the morning. Two are from the one type of, and then the third is a totally different requirement. But the third is, it seems to be, and not the major requirement, but the third is, we do it because of Ruach Ro. When you sleep, you're to a degree dead, you can't think anymore, so you get tumor on your hands, and therefore in the morning when you wake up, you don't want to transfer that uh, Ruach Ro, whatever exactly Ruach Ro is, to any, anyone or any food or anything else, so you do it at the time. That's why we do it um, alternating in each hand, because that's what's necessary to remove Ruach Ro. The Rosh and the Rashban, this is why Chazal instituted a brot. So that's that's to get rid of Rosh Rosh, that's one discussion. There's almost a separate discussion of Machlok, is why we do the Tilesi time in the morning. 
and say a brocha on it. And that's the Mahlokesh. The Rosh says, very practically, he says at night, you don't know where your hands have touched anything, and before you daven, you have to wash your hands, you have to have clean hands before you daven and learn. Just like if you tied your shoelace or, you know, you'd go and or touch somewhere in your body that's normally covered, you'd go wash your hands before you daven. So when you wake up in the morning, you don't know where your hands have been. So you fast. So that's the Rosh. Um, the Rajba says, has another idea. He says, because we're like a Briyachadash, a new creation. Um, and therefore, just as when we're created, we're getting up to serve Hashem. That's, that's the ultimate goal in everything that we get caught up in the day. The ultimate goal is we're getting up to serve Hashem. So just as the Kohanim would wash their hands and feet before they went into the base of Midash and started their service of Hashem, we wake up in the morning and do Matilas in time. It's interesting, it has slight halachic ramifications. Um, once you say it's primarily for like, the Rosh, it's for cleanliness, then you should do it just before davening. Whereas according to the rush, but on waking up to serve Hashem. So you can do it as soon as you wake up. And uh, so let's say you're going to wake up, you're going to be busy with your children and stuff, so you're going to need to wash your hands anyway before you daven. So then according to the rush, you should wait and say, on the second time you wash your hands rather than the first time, because that's the time you're washing your hands for davening. Because according to the rush, but not that you need to wake up in that mantle, I'm going to serve Hashem. And the bracha can, can be said as on the Nitilasi time you do as you wake up. So that's just interesting. But I add to, yeah, so which Nitilasi time are we talking about? Yeah, not 100% sure, but those are the different types and the different reasons. Um, and back to can you do it in halves? So um, one suggestion that I, that I didn't mention was it's where you do half a hand at a time. So he says, so either you don't go as far up as you need to on your fingers, and then you try it and you do the second half, or you do two fingers and then three fingers. You do half your hand at a time, and dry it in the interim, is that good enough? So that's, I mean, that's the fourth last line. So let's just go from there. He does his hand in two steps. One hand in two steps, not each hand separately. That we saw as far. So for Homer, but then Rabbiana said that you can't do your hands in heart. So it's where your hand is still moist. So you did half your hand, and it's, you partially dried it, or it's still moist, and then you did the other half. Can we say, since your hand was kind of wet, it's joined and it's one washing. As we know, you can, I mean, how we do it, we do it in two pores. So anyway, you're doing some at a time. We try to do our whole hand in two pores, but there is, so, so if it's slightly moist, maybe that could count, and that's Ilfa's question. He says, no, just because there's enough water that would make your, that it's moist, that if you touched it, it would go away. That doesn't make a difference. For hot time, we learned in a, uh, Mishnah, uh, stream, that's uh, when you pour that, that stream, paras, and a steep slope with water running down, and slightly moist liquid, does not join, neither to make things tome nor to make things tohar. So if you have a steep slope of water and you have tome, Tomei at the bottom and tar at the top, the water doesn't join them. And so too with the stream, if you have a bowl of something, Tomei, and you're pouring from a pot into it, the stream that connects and doesn't take the tumor from the top to the bottom. And with Tahara, similarly with Rashi says Tahara, you have two bodies of water, each let's say half a mikvah, 
and you want to join them together to be one, if it's just damp between them, just slightly moist between them, that's not enough. None of those are considered khibur. So it would be the same thing. You want to tell me if I do half my hand and half my hand, I can still count it as joined. But if it's just moist to the degree that it's only tofayah, I'll describe that a bit better soon, but it's only slightly moist, that doesn't count as a joining. For all intents and purposes, it's doing your hand in two halves, which is, doesn't work. So the man says, no, we need Ilfa's question, it's moist, but enough that it can still make moist. Different degrees of damp. Tofayach is that if you looked at it, it looks wet, and if you touch it, your finger, it would feel wet. But it's so, such a little bit of water that you're not able to transfer any of that water. Tofayach lahatfiach means it's, de- it's, it's moist, but if I touch it, my hand will come away wet enough that it can make something else feel wet. So that's the different amount. So just tofayach, that as we've seen is for all intents and purposes considered dry. Tofayach lahatfiach, that's wet. So maybe when Ilfa said, can you do your hands in half to be considered pure, it's in regards to your hand, you did half your hand, and it's enough tofayach lahatfiach, and then you did the other half. Honami <coughs> tenina. Well, that's also a mission. It says tofayach lahatfiach chibur. Um, sorry, honami tenina tofayach lahatfiach chibur. That if it is damp enough that it can make something else damp, that is considered joined. So if your hand is still that damp, well then it's considered you're still in the middle of, I guess, Natila said diamond. When you do the other half of your hand, it joins together the Natila. So the Gemara says, no, Dilma, perhaps, now we're going to say this that we say, Tofayach lahat fiach works, is not regarding what we're discussing when we discuss joining. Oh, thank you so much, Gavin. I'll bring you some hot water because I'm later I'm not a teacher. <laughs> so, so we're just discussing, we suggested that Tofayach Lahatfiach is, um, is considered a joining. And if we, again, we're still struggling, what was Ilfa asking when you can, can you do your hands in halves? So he says, No, this that we say Tofayach Lahatfiach is in a specific case by mikvahs that we consider a joining. And we'll describe what that is now. But, in regards to consider your hands wet, wet that it's as if you fasted in one motion, in one step, or you'd want to join the two steps, it would not be relevant. And therefore we do have, basically, have our question of Ula. We're going to go through a slightly different discussion. But now, on regards to where we don't, why we don't have the answer, but that is it. Remember, we start off with Ula's question, can you do your hands in hearts? Can you purify your hands in hearts? Yeah. In hearts. That's what Ilfa said. That's what Ilfa said. And comes along. Now he said, yeah, the question is if your hands it's that moist. You did and, it's, and then you did the other half of your head. Do we say, oh, it's one that's counted as you join the two halves or not? That's Ilfa's question. But just before we round up the discussion, we, we said that, oh, but don't we have an answer that Tofayach is considered joining? So he said, no, that's discussing a special scenario in this Rabbi Yehud at the time, as we learned in the Mishnah. If you have a mikveh that has exactly 40 sayah, and two people go to mikveh in it, so what's the problem? When the one gets out, he's got all the water on him, and now it's just under 40 sayah. 
So he says, if they go one after the other, Rishon Tar Vashani Tomei. The first one is Tar and the second one is Tomei. Rabbi Yehuda Aimei, Rabbi Yehuda says, Im hoyu radlot shal Rishon nogos b'mayim. If the feet of the first one would touch the water, af hashani Tar, even the Shani is Tar. So as long as, so what is it, as long as the person who went into the mikvah first is still standing, I guess on the steps, just going into the mikvah, you can view the water that's on him as if it's still part of the mikvah, and the other person has gone in forty sayah. Interesting. So Rashi explains, we use the word chibur, joined, but it's not the halacha of joined. It's what's called good achis. You can view the water that's up here. Again, still attached because it's all on the person's body and he's standing in the water, as if it's down. Remember, some of our sukkah, you can view the walls as extending down in certain scenarios. Um, so, so to you, we're using a similar concept to view the water as if it's down. Nothing to do with tofeh lahat can join with the other washing that you did. So that's why you don't have an answer to it. Tosus uses a slightly different yeah, method. And Eruvin, there was a, good, a big discussion of good aches. Um, so, but Rabbeinu Tanius, he says, no, since that person standing there, the water will automatically drip down, drip off and into the mikvah, you can view it as if it's in the mikvah. It's like we discussed at the top of the page, a steep slope. So again, we used, it's not chibur anymore. Remember, we want to know, can you take two bodies of water and consider them joined by tofeh or can you, you, sorry, if you washed off your hand and partially dried it, so it's tofeh ha-manach and then you washed the other half of your hand, can you count them as joined because it's slightly damp? We don't know. Oh, doesn't Rabbi Yehuda say it is joined? No, Rabbi Yehuda is discussing another case. He's discussing this concept of good aches by a mikvah. So we don't have an answer. And that's how the Gemara leaves off the discussion. So just uh, some interesting points on this. Um, yeah, so, so we, Ulla, Ilf, sorry, not Ulla, Ilf asked a question, can you do your hand in two halves? And we don't know, we haven't answered that. Um, what's the psak? So, uh, the Rambam Paskins leave it here. It's a sophic drabonin. Remember, this is exactly drabonin that you have to wash your hands anyway, etc. So, sophic drabonin, you can go lenient. And if someone would do half their hand and it would remain moist, and then he would do the other half of his hand, Consider joining at a good mikvah. The other is him who goes strict. Very interestingly, I heard. Um, how can you go strict? Don't we have a general principle, Sophic Rabban and Akula? So that he brought, to answer it, he brought the Marshal. It's actually from the Prima Godim on this Siman in Shulchanorah, from the Tinasi time. I think it's Kusamach Aleph or Kusamach Bezi Shulchanorah. The Prima Godim there brings the Marshal and he says, there's a difference when the Gemara leaves it unanswered, like here. We just end the discussion. We ask the question establish what the question is and leave the discussion unanswered to where the Gemara answers with the taiku. Answers that, we cannot resolve it. Where the Gemara answers, we cannot resolve it, we can't argue with that. So we then have to apply the rules of how do you deal with the sophic. It's an established sophic. You clearly different. So one of the rules are if it's drabonin, you go lenient, we know if it's money, monetary cases, or actually we saw yesterday that maybe you would say should it done her, um, go after Chazaka, how do you deal with the something with that? And the Gemara just leaves it unanswered 
it's also leaving it open for later sages to come along and try to answer it. It's not like it's issued a psak and then we don't ever argue with the Gemara. It's an interesting question you can ask, well, why do... I mean, already from the time of the Rishonim, and I think even the Gaidim, but definitely from the time of the Rishonim, they do not argue with the Gemara. They interpret the Gemara, but they never argue with the conclusion of the Gemara. You'll never have the Rambam say, I know the Gemara says we should go like Ravashi, but now Allah is like uh, someone else. Never argue with the Gemara. You might say, well, that's what Ravashi says here, but if you look at the Sukhya over there, that's arguing with this one, or... You saying the question is this, and therefore when we say the halacha like Rav Ashi, it's answering that question, that's not the question. They might be interpreting the Gemara in different ways, but they'll never argue with the Gemara. Um, so interesting discussion where that comes from. I mean, it's not written in the Chumash that you're not allowed to argue with the Gemara, which is a, good few, a, thousand, a few thousand years late. But, um, but either way, we don't argue with the Gemara. So when the Gemara ends off as Tepu, it's saying the psak is it's a doubt. So you can't come along and say, well, I'm not in doubt. I've got the answer or something. But where it just leave, asks the question and leaves it, it's leaving it open for a sage to come and say, well, this is how I would answer that question. Take you yourself as an answer. Yeah, that's an answer. Um, and if once you have it open for a question, you can have a reason who says, based on my understanding, I think it's... Uh, Tommy, you've been going through. Okay, just thought that was quite fascinating. Uh, uh, way of... Uh, like a sensitivity to the Gomorrah's text that we often don't overlook. Um, one other interesting thing, Tosfos, yeah, this is important because of understanding our mitzvahs. I mean, it's much more relevant to women because when men go to mitzvah, it's more minhag than halacha. And when women go, it's halacha. Okay, it's not for tahara. Um, with the nida, there's always that dual aspect that she is tome as a nida. And therefore, if we were worried about, you know, going into the base amidash or um, or things like that, then it would um, it would be very relevant to that, or eating truma or eating kachim. Um, but also the same way that a woman becomes tahor from her tuma, it removes her status of a nida. So that's why we're very strict with the women's mikvahs, that they are 100% good mikvahs, because how does she change from her status of a nida to a regular woman? And that's through mikvah. So it's interesting that it's the dual discussion by nida, is it Isur, right, what's permitted, what's forbidden, it's one of the forbidden relations, and she's a nida until egg, and the separate discussion of Tumen Tahara. But before she's saying, is that minimum foot? Yeah, that's a minimum foot. Yeah, our mitzvahs are much, much more than that. 40 say is, if I remember correctly, what's it? It's along the lines of an Amun by an Amun. One and a half hours hard. It's a bath, you know, maybe something like that. Um, So, (coughs) we know that a mikvah can't be, it either has to be a stream of iron or gathered water, but the gathered water has to be gathered rainwater. You can't take water from a river or from somewhere else and pour it into a pit. (coughs) So, if you would be filling up a mikvah with tap water, might be able to find fancy ways to get out of it. In general, to fill up a mikvah with tap water, to get buckets and pour it in and fill up the mikvah, the mikvah is invalid. It's very so, not that easy to do a mikvah. My no, brother it's very, did very mikvah in um, Samson, and he, did, he didn't do the mikvah, but he helped the guy do the mikvah in Great very good. Water, it's very good. It's a big thing. The one thing that they do, one of the, um, is what's called hashaka. 
It's the language of kissing. But you have, so you have your mikvah with your rainwater, your gathered rainwater that's 100% perfect and kosher in the way that it's collected the rainwater. Yeah. You have another mikvah that they fill up with tap water. Yeah. And they do what's hashoka, they touch the waters together and the mikvah water turns the bath water, water the swimming pool water into a good mikvah. And that's why also you see they, they'll have one. And that's why the Kaili mikvah, I mean, I'm not sure the, the one by kosher, I'm sure that is the kosher mikvah, but the Kaili mikvah here, it won't be its own kosher mikvah. There'll be a path connecting it to, and every once in a while they'll just uh, open it and let the mikvah touch the Kaili mikvah water and might turn that into mikvah water. Or you could have, a, I guess, a small basin of water, not what you say, and as long as it's touching the main body of mikvah. How much, what's considered joined? So, how, like, saying you want to join your, so let's say you have 220 say, or you want to join your swimming pool to the mikvah, so swimming pool to kosher mikvah, like, basically, like our mikvahs, and there are other things our mikvahs are due to rely on to make them valid mikvahs, but that's just one of the main ways is that you have the, I mean, also, can you imagine every single person who goes to mikvah goes in that same rainwater that was collected last summer when it rained? So it's also a hygiene thing that we're, we're lucky we have these fancy systems. We have our rainwater mikvah collected and thing, and then you join it to this fresh tap water that's let in, I don't know how often, or thing. Um, so uh, I remember a Glitchberg saying with Prague that they did a. Sort of high, I don't know, like a hygiene test, like on the the journal, that the mikvah here was one of the best, uh, if not the best in the city. So, um, Good to know. Yeah. Um, I mean, he hasn't been here for a while, so maybe things have changed. <laughs> um, but but so, so so what's considered joining? So here you would say just as long as the 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 breach between the two is tofeach al manaslat just like a slightly damp. That's good enough to consider the two bodies of water joined. There's another, and therefore you could have a pinprick going through from the rainwater mikvah to the other mikvah. Uh, maybe a bit more than a pinprick, but just enough that it's damp. That's what it sounds from Algamor is considered joined by a mikvah. So Rabbeinu Tam said, and but there's another sugya elsewhere, and we've definitely learned this no, together, that no, you need Ferris Hanoid. You need a proper tube, which is, I think, two fingers, or two yeah, fingers and a thumb, thick, to consider joint. That's, that's what's considered joint, two fingers. So we're speaking about a much bigger pump. Not even a regular tap pump is big enough. It has to be slightly bigger. So, so Rabbeinu Tam, very interesting. So we seem to have a contradiction between the two sugyas. So Rabbeinu Tam answers, it's this Tosos here, I'm not going to read it inside now, but this Tosos here, he says that, no, you need a breach of that size, but the water running between the two just has to be enough to make it damp. So the, so again, this would be more realistic if it's at the top. You have the two, the two mikvahs level with the wall between, and you make a ditch in the wall so that the water is, now you have a big enough gap, but the water is just slightly flowing over the top. And that, according to Rabbeinu Tam, is okay. The Riha argues, he says, no, you, he brings other proofs that you need the water going through, that you need that much water going through the pump to be considered joining the two mikvahs for Hashoka, and therefore he has to explain how Sugya and resolve the contradiction in a different way, but that just uh, quite a, I mean, practical in that it's relevant nowadays and stuff, and 
relevant in lots of people's lives, not something that we ever had, deal hands-on with, but an interesting discussion. Yeah, there was one other Okay, so, so that's the question and that question. Now we're going to go on to another question regarding joining two different methods together. So, Omar and Yirmiya, Hare, Omar, behold, they said. Now, this is um, going on another Xera that if someone has been to mikvah, they're not allowed to shower, they should say at the moment, that day. And the reason was because a lot of their mikvahs, again, it's this gathered rainwater in a cave that's been sitting there the whole season. I mean, you're waiting for the new rainy season to wash out and clean the water. So it was often very uh, yakwa water that they would go to mikvah in. So they'd come home and have a shower before doing anything else. So people started to think the main thing of mikvah is to shower, because that's, also, that's the one that's associated with being clean. So Chazal instituted that when you go to, on the day you go to mikvah, you're not allowed to go to shower. And if you do shower, you make yourself tome again. And then they realized that people weren't taking that too seriously because they said, well, every other day of the week when I shower, I'm tahar. And now you're telling me when I shower this day, I'm tome. So they actually made a din that any time someone showers, they become tome. <laughs> Quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> the other way around. Yeah. But then, yeah, there's a thing that you can use a shower as so. Well, we'll get there. Get there. So Rabbi says, We know that if someone puts their head and a majority of their body in Maim Shuvim, that, again, sorry, so that's another way to make your mikvah invalid if you go into another pool of clean water. But you, so you put your head and body shuvim. Or a Tahar person who has three look of drawn water poured over him, Tome they become Tome. Um, yeah. So he says, What's the halacha if half of the water that's on him is through him going into a pool of water, and half of the water on him is from the pouring of three looking? But it's definitely not a sayer. A sayer is less than a, a more than a look. Yeah, look is about a cup, I think. Yeah. The uh, but but either way, the key point here is that if it would be three looking poured on him, he'd be tome. If he would have put a head and a majority of his body in water, he'd be tome. Right. Question is, if he did, I guess, just his head and had three look poured over the rest of his body. Or just his body and three look poured over his head. Does that join together to make him tome? So, and what is the Gemara answer? Teiku. Te- <laughs> we're telling you the answers unresolved. Okay, next case. Omar Papa Hare Omar. They said Balkeri Chaylesh and Isnu Alav Tisha Chavin Ma'im Tahor. A Balkeri who is sick, you, he can have non Chavin poured on him to be Tahor. This is the famous leniency that when someone wants to go meet, but they. Uh, they, um, instead of a man going to mix it nowadays, they just go in the shower and have non cup poured on them. That's another way. In certain scenarios, Ezra made a takona that someone who's a Valkyrie cannot learn Torah. We, for various reasons, don't follow that. We're not concerned about that takona. But a way to purify yourself from that, to get around that, is if a person's unwell, they can have non cup poured on them. They don't have to actually go to mikvah. 
So Bora Papa, Chetio Betfila, Chetio Benesina, my, if he does half of his body by going into the mikveh and half his body having nine cubs poured on him, what's the halosa? Does that count as purifying himself from Balkari? So he can now go in and Torah. And the Gemara answers, Teiku. It's unresolved. Um, I just. One of its out of orders, so I'm just trying to find them. Oh, so, the question that's practical for us, I mean, for in our towns, is when a woman goes to mikvah, at what point can she go to. can she go to. Uh, can she shower after the mikvah? It's exaggerated yeah. that if someone goes to mikvah and they go to shower, it seems. It they seems can't. the Xayra is that it undoes the mikvah. Otherwise, you have no problem because a woman, if it's only to do a tumen tahara, well, a woman nowadays doesn't mind being tahara. Yeah. She just she purified herself from mikvah. From nida, but she didn't from purify herself. And so then she becomes tahara. So, so it right? seems that the Xayra is along the line. If you're going to ask that question, which they do discuss in Shulcharach, it must be that the Xayra kind of undoes the, yeah. the mikvah. So then you have the question, so when can a woman shower after getting up? So the one answer the Shevet Halevi gives is as soon as she touches her husband. She's made the mikveh effective, because up until that point she wasn't allowed to touch her husband. And therefore she can immediately then go and shower, because the mikveh has been effective. So does the woman shower not after the mikveh? I mean, I've never been done. I don't know. I can ask, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, according to this, it would be problematic. Yeah. You might even say, look, at least if they go home first, yeah. then they're not showering straight off the mikvah. They're going home first. But generally, they put on their makeup and they oh, do everything yeah. at the mikvah. Yeah, but that's. So, so maybe you can argue that uh, once she's. Put on makeup. As long as, because again, remember that the Xayra is if you go to mikveh and then you shower, it's a problem. So, how connected does the shower have to be to the mikveh? Is it on, is it the whole of that day? Is it 24 hours? Is it 12 hours? Is it? So, that's what I said. The Shabbat Alevi says as soon as she touches her husband, then he, she's shown and she's undone it. And another one says if she does another activity that she would probably shower anyway, so she goes from mikveh to gym or something like that. Then, uh, or she, you know, gets busy in, with housework, and then, you know, she would shower anyway. Then again, that's not showering because she's just been to mikvah, just after mikvah, and it would be fine. But that's an interesting question that also is okay. Now back to our discussion. Oh, soon we're going to almost finish off the discussion of Bafane Nechtab or We're still very, uh, very well engrossed in that discussion. And the second half of the, the, the rest of this stuff is. Quite a bit more, um, bit more technical, but concepts that we've discussed a few times going through the discussion of the Fonenetta, of the Fonenetta. Oh, just one other point. Um, what other half half mitzvahs can you do that I should have discussed here? So, one that gets alluded to is if you put on one feeling of Rabbeinu Tam and one feeling of Rashi. Have you fulfilled your mitzvah? So there, I mean, I think the simple answer is you can say either you fulfilled the mitzvah of Tfilin Shal Rosh or the mitzvah of Tfilin Shal Yad. But not really, because according to Rabbeinu Tam, Rosh is Tfilin on kosher, and according to Rosh, Rabbeinu Tam is Tfilin on kosher. So to do them both, to do half-half of each one, you kind of 
cancelling it out. So that's, a, that's another half half mitzvah that gets discussed, and I'm sure the others just have to try and think of them. Okay, if one person, one, two, one person, they, they bring the get from overseas to Israel, and one person says, the, the, the guy delivering it says, it was signed, be, it was written before me, and a second guy says forward and says, it was signed before me. We said that is possible. Now, Omar Rabshmul by Yehuda, Omar Rabbi Yochan, Rabshmul by Yehuda says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, this is specifically where they both produce the get. Sorry, where, where they don't, when, sorry, when they're not both the shaliach. Either one person is the shaliach, and he says, I saw the one part. And the other person is just someone who was traveling with him, and says, I saw the other part. So we're making None a difference. Uh, he wasn't not an official delivery. Uh, delivery the, he wasn't asked to deliver it. But if they are both the delivery person, then it's kosher. What? Now Rashi explains, it's not kosher because then each can do part. If each does part, you still have your problem. What's the problem if each does one part? You're going to have them saying, we can verify the get based on... Uh, on one witness, and then you're going to confuse that with other documents. The reason it's kosher here is because, remember, the primary concern is that you won't have two aidim to verify the get. Well, if two people were instructed to deliver the get, they're going to be around. You'll have two aidim to verify the get. So therefore, you don't actually need when the two aidim. That's what he says. Alma, Kosovar, we see that he holds, we see Rabbi Yochanan holds. If you have Two delivery people bringing the get, you don't have to say the one in the one in the again because you have the aiding you need. Yeah. Okay, so Omar Leabaya Baya said to him, seems not to Rabbi Yochanan, I don't think Abaya ever spoke to Rabbi Yochanan, but the person who said the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that is Rav, who was it, Rav Shmubar Yehuda. Um, he said to him, Hello, my heart, safer, dictani. What about the later clause in the Mishnah which teaches? You have two people who say that we saw the writing of this gate. It was written before us. And you have another person, a third person, come along and say, It was written, it was signed before me. Possible, it's invalid. But Rabbi Yehuda Machshir and Rabbi Yehuda says it's kosher. Now, let's just follow the reasoning of the Tanakhama. The reason is because it, they weren't both delivering the get. They weren't both appointed as shlichim. But if, it wa- if, they, if the two people were the um, delivery, were appointed as shlichim to deliver the get, then the rabbis would say it's kosher. Again, he's saying, based on Rabbi Yochanan's opinion, when you have two people commanded to deliver the get, you don't need So in this case where we actually were discussing three people, if two of them were commanded to deliver the get, then it would be kosher. It must be the case of the Mishnah specifically where only one of them is the shliach, and joined with him is someone who said, ah, can confirm the writing was written, and a second person saying, and then a third, or I guess one of those, saying that b'fonei, um, was saying before I nechtam. Says Omalein. He says you're right. That is true. That is how you have to understand the Mishnah. If the get is not produced by Shnei, I only one is the shaliach. 
What are Rabbanon and Rabbi Yehuda arguing in? Why is Rabbi Yehuda said still kosher? So the Rabbanon holds that there's a Zayrein case you come to confuse it with regular verification of Shtaros and think that you might be able to use one aid. And the Rabbanon say, you're right, here you have two people strictly speaking to verify it, but at the end of the day you only used one aid on the signatures. So someone might come along and say, oh, you see, you only need one aid to verify signatures. And as we know, it's a special dispensation about getting it doesn't apply to other staras. So that's where the Rabbana said there was such a And Rabbi Yehuda holds there is no such xayra. At the end of the day, Rabbi Yehuda holds you have Aidim testifying on the Xiva, so that makes it clearly distinct from other staras. Because remember, all other staras, you're going to just be, just want the witnesses on the um, you just want the witnesses on the uh, on the signatures. Okay, now we go on to another version. Some had a different version. Now, again, remember we're going on the case of the Mishnah where one testified on the Ksiva and one testified on the Chasima. Even if they were both delivering the get, possible it's invalid. So he's saying that even if they both shlichim, you, you can't have one person saying on the ksiva and one person and the other shliach on the signatures. It says Alma Kosova, we see that Rabbi Yochanan holds Shlaim Shaviu get me betinas hayom trichin shiyomru befoneinu nechtam befoneinu nechtam. You need two people. Um, Two people who bring a get from overseas, they both need to say, it was written before us and it was signed before us. Uh, you can't get away without that declaration. You can't rely on the fact that now you have two witnesses to verify it if you need it. Oh, but based on this, Sefer Diktani, the end of the Mishnah, which teaches, if two people testified that it was written before us and one person testified that it was signed before us, that's invalid. And Rabbi Yehuda says it's kosher. It says, that's even where two were appointed as the shlichim, possibly Rabban and the rabbis would declare it possible. Again, as we know, you, even if two people are the delivery agents, according to this version, you have to, they both have to say, so it says, you're right, that's how you have to learn this, the, that clause of the Mishnah. Again, if you notice, we, depending on the version, we're learning that clause of the Mishnah differently. According to the first version, we learned that clause of the Mishnah specifically where it was only one person was the shliach. That's why it's possible when other people are involved. Whereas here we're learning it even, but if two, sorry, but if two people would have been the shliach, it would have been fine because you don't need the declaration anymore. Whereas here, you do need the declaration. According to this version, you do need the declaration, and therefore, when it's done by separate people, two on the ksiva and one on the chasima, it's not valid. Now, but my kamifliki, what are they arguing in? What's the question? How can Rabbi Yehuda come along and say it's kosher? At the end of the day, this get, where we're allowing one person to testify on the, um, one person to testify on the, on the chasima, you're going to confuse that with other shtaros and say that you can allow one person to testify on the 
Chasima. Now I'm going to ask the question, I'm not going to answer it now just because of time, but earlier we said that Rabbi Yehuda holds there's no such, there isn't exactly in this scenario where you have two people testifying to the writing and two people testifying to the, and one person testifying on the signatures. So Rabbi Yehuda says there's no such Zaira. Here we don't give that answer, we're not happy. Um, we give a different answer. So you get, so in Toysus discuss, Tosos and Adrishan, but Tosos on the page discuss if, why here, what's worse about this case that Rabbi Yehuda would agree we don't, we do have the Xaira that you might confuse two people testifying on the writing and one person testifying on the signatures with a case of a regular verification of documents. Here, again, here Rabbi Yehuda is not prepared to give the answer of I don't hold for the Xaira. I hear Rabbi Yehuda would agree with the Xaira. What's the difference in the cases that here Rabbi Yehuda agrees with the Xaira and there Rabbi Yehuda says there's no need for the Xaira. So, but either way, let's just go back to our question. So what are Rabbi, why does Rabbi Yehuda say it's kosher and what they're arguing on? So Marisov, the Rabbonin hold, the main concern is was it written Ishmael? And therefore, you need the you need the shlichim to verify that it is written lishma, um, and so so you need them to say And therefore, if it's not done properly, I one shliach doing saying both or the two shlichim saying but for us it was written and before us it was signed. You don't have it done properly. You can't verify that it's lishma, and it. Is possible? No, the issue is that you don't have Adim to, you won't find Adim to verify. And again, why do you need this declaration to verify the get? Because we're concerned that in this, in Eretz Yisrael, you're not going to find people who recognize those signatures, and therefore they're valid. Um, and therefore, once you have two people delivering the get, it's fine. You'll have Adim. Go that you, the husband comes and complains. Go get those two guys who brought it. So now the Gemara suggests, now if you remember, this is going back to the first, the Machrokesh right at the beginning of the Masechta. It says, Lema, the Rabba, the Rabba, the Rabba, the Rabba, Tanahi. We should say that the Machrokesh Rabba and Rabba is a Machrokesh Tanahim. I.e., it sounds, according to this version, it sounds like the one holds the purpose of saying B'fan and Echem, and Echem is to verify that it's Lishma. I because, what? Sha'im B'keen. In Chutz Aris, they didn't know that it had to be Lishma. And the other robber held that, no, the reason is because you're not going to find witnesses to verify. So it sounds like their Machloikas is the exact same as Rabbon and Rabbi Yehuda. So Moran says, no, Rabba Omar Lech, Rabba Mataritz Kilishna Kaba. Rabba will say, we go with the first version. Again, remember, we had two versions of what Rabbi Yochanan said. Rava would say, we have to go with the first version, that the reason for the declaration is in case you won't find Aiden. So if two shlichim, if you have two shlichim delivering the get, you don't have that concern anymore. And therefore, our Mishnah, both, if you learn the Mishnah in that way, both Rabbon and Rabbi Yehuda agree with that principle. So therefore, Rava will not learn, it's a Machlok Islam, he'll agree that both Rabbonin and Rabbi Yehuda fit with him. But Rabbi Omer and Rabbi will tell you again, not that Rabbonin and Rabbi Yehuda, or that the Rabbonin are arguing, or that Rabbi Yehuda is arguing, and says, he will explain to Kuli Amal Bo'in and Lishma. The requirement is Lishma. Vahach B'ma'as Ginan, or what we're dealing with here, why is there a Machloikes? How can Rabbi Yehuda say it's kosher if you need to verify it in a specific way to make sure that it's Lishma? 
says Lachashlamdu after in Chutz Laaretz, they learned the halachas and they knew that it had to be Lishma, so you don't have that concern anymore. And they're actually arguing in do we have the Xayra that it might return to its initial stages, i.e., that they didn't know about the Kilkul. Right, so, according to Demar Sovel Kazrina, Numar Sovel Kazrina, the Rabbonin. Hold, we have such a Xayra, and everybody holds, we don't have such a Xayra. Hi, how's Rabbi going to explain the Mishnah? He's going to explain, everyone agrees that the reason that you have to say Fonanat and Fonanatam is because you want to verify that it's Lishma. Oh, so how can Rabbi come along and say it's kosher? Because he says, we're discussing a case where it's over time, everyone learned the halacha that it had to be Lishma. So you don't really have to verify that it's Lishma. The Rabbonin holds it's possible because. The Xayra stands, in case it comes from a country or things uh, deteriorate back to the initial stage that people stop worrying about Lishma. Or, and Rabbi Hunald, no, we don't have such a Xayra. Once uh, everyone knew that it had to be Lishma, we don't have that problem anymore. Then the Gemara asks, but then Rabbi Huda should also argue in the first part of the Mishnah. And if you're learning, again, like we've just said, that... If two people come, you need both to say Bufananet and Bufananetav, but we're discussing after, but the, and the reason is for Lishma, and it's after, so then we should, and it's after the people knew that it had to be Lishma, then the ratio where you have the case of two Shlichim, one testifies to the Ksiva and one testifies to the Chasima, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it should still be kosher. Because there's no concern of Lishma and you have two people to testify. So, how is Allah? Yeah, Willah actually said, You're right, Rabbi Yehuda only raises his concern later on in the Mishnah, but he's arguing on the previous case as well. Okay, that leaves off. I mean, that's the two things. We have the two versions of the Mishnah. Major ramifications between the two versions are if two people deliver a get, or two people are shlichim, do you. Even need before nechta, before nechta, and how they how that fits in with the other machlokes of Rabbah and Rava in what's the purpose of the declaration before nechta, before nechta. Now we're going to challenge the one version. Moshe Rav Oishe Ula, Rav Oishe raised the challenge before Ula. Rabbi Yehuda Mashi, sorry, we're not we're going back on Ula who said that Rabbi Yehuda only argues. Rabbi Yehuda argues, yeah, you're right. Rabbi Yehuda argues on the other case as well. That's what Ula said. You're right. He waited till both cases were said in the Mishnah, but he argued on both of them. So, but, Mosif Rabbi Shaya Ula, Rabbi Shaya challenged Ula, Rabbi Yehuda Mashi Bezuva Lo Bacheres. The price which says that Rabbi Yehuda says it's kosher in this case, but not in the other case. My love, Limutai Echoraim Bufanenet, Echoraim Bufanenet. It must be Rabbi Yehuda is excluded from the case where one said it was written and the second delivery person said it was signed. So we see that Rabbi Yehuda does not argue in that case. So you can't explain it. He says, No, Limutai Bufanenetam, Avaloi Bufanenetam. It's coming to exclude. No, in that case, Rabbi Yehuda would agree it is kosher. But Rabbi Yehuda would. Where Rabbi Yehuda does not argue is where one says it was signed before me, but it wasn't written before me. You might have thought, well, the locals of Rabbi Yehuda Xayra Shemayachso Tovelekilkulo, since Rabbi Yehuda says we don't need Xayra, that things might deteriorate to the original state, i.e., people won't. Um, we, we, Rabbi Yehuda says we don't need Xayra, that. Now that people know about Lishma, we don't need the Xayra in case it reaches a stage again that people don't know about Lishma. 
Then he says he doesn't need that xayra. So Dilma Aisilak Lucha became Shlaris Ba'amba Ba'idechot Nami Loi Gozer. Maybe Rebuda says you also don't need the xayra of two people coming to switch, uh, get, um, switch verification of a get with the other verification. I remember again, he said, if one of the main purposes, everyone agrees to this, is to verify the get, and therefore a special dispensation by get is you only need one aid. If it's not done in the exact way that Chazal say, someone might get confused and say that, oh look, you used one aid to verify that get, I can use one aid to verify any other document. Um, so maybe that's the Zaira. Maybe Rebuda, we see Rebuda doesn't hold these Zairas are required by Gittin, so maybe he'll say in that case she also don't need that Zaira. Kamash Milan. No, in that case he agrees with the, he does hold for that Gazaira. So I guess you can ask the question, what's the distinction? Why does he not hold for the second Gazaira, but he does hold for the, well, why does he not hold for the Zaira of Shema Yasser Tova Kula? And he does not hold, and he does agree with the Zaira of Shema Yachlifu Aisi Lachlufa Bikim Shtaras. Okay, just this Itmar Nami, there's a teaching in support of the second version. Okay, remember we had two versions. If two people deliver the get, do you require Bifonenechtum, Bifonenechtum, or Bifonenechtum, or Bifonenechtum? So, Rav Yehuda, Shnaim Shevi, will get me Medina, Sayom, Rav Yehuda said, if you have two people who bring a get from overseas, Bonun Lachloikas, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbonin. You come on to the Machloikas of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbonin. Okay, if you learn according to the first version, both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbonin hold, if you have two people delivering the get, you don't need the declaration, or at least... Rabbi Yehuda holds you don't need the declaration. The Rabban, and it's a question, are they concerned um, about you'll confuse it with the delivery of other shtaras? Um, whereas Rabbi Yehuda holds you doesn't. But both of them, in theory, hold you don't need so that, so by the fact that Rabbi Yehuda comes along and says it is a machloikas, must be in the second version, whereas we saw according to Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yehuda, you you don't necessarily, sorry, um, yeah, Rabbonin say it's possible in that case, and Rabbi Yehuda said it's valid. So if, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, you have to learn like the second version, that it's Machloikas, Rabbonin, Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.